0: I kind of put a little bit on myself for the eight-second violation, and then they come down and hit a three, and that really changed the entire the entire game, that sequence right there. So there's little things that we can control and fix, but at the end of the day, we're not overreacting. Uh, it's one game. Um, we got to go back out and get ready for game two. Donovan Mitchell after an incredible 57-point performance. But – they had a chance there to put it away with the ball, up four and a minute 46 to go and walking it up court, they got a backcourt violation. Momentum swung and Denver did what Denver's done four times in the Jazz this year. It was a great game, it was a close game and Denver found a way to win at the end, PK.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell, what I've been talking about, his emergence from stardom, superstardom. We are seeing it right before our eyes, it's exciting. They lost the game I understand that they're probably going to lose the series without two starters although Denver does not have two starters either but their starters are a little lower down the pecking order relative to where the dot the starters for the Jazz are and as far as that backcourt thing I mean come on you got so many guys over there that are coaches you know, when the ball goes out of bounds and there's two seconds on the shot clock, everybody stands up, says, two seconds, two seconds. Hmm. You know, and I know the ball went off Gobert, and so it was six seconds. But when I mean, you think about it, one of those guys should have known the rules. and not and Maybe they did. Maybe I didn't see it and Donovan didn't hear it. I don't know, but it didn't look like it. I mean, with all those assistant coaches and head coach, I mean, the way I look at it, man, they got more guys on the payroll than the Corleone family
0: had. Ah, yeah. Everything's a godfather. You know, if nothing else, the number's up in bright lights right above the basket. And, you know, you're a point guard, and that's something you've been looking for for years. So... It was a good thing he just owned it in the postgame. Twice it came up, and both times he just said it was his fault. And I
1: don't think it was his fault. I think it was the uh, coaching
0: He was, He was yelling at Joe, and the thing he was yelling at Joe to get on the other side of the floor for whatever play. He wanted to rebalance the floor. And then they had to talk afterwards, and it looked like Joe was having none of it. Like, no, I was really in the right place, and here's why. But anyway, you're right. As long as you're one of the coaches and you're getting paid, you should yell too. Multiple people can make a mistake at the same time, and they did, and that was a huge play in the game. Then also in in overtime, I mean, did they just lose their edge or what? Because overtime for Denver – looked a lot like the end of the fourth quarter for Denver, but overtime for the Jazz looked nothing like the fourth quarter for the Jazz. And the, the the turnovers went way up, the quality shots went way down, and they were down by eight in a heartbeat in overtime.
1: Yeah, I think they're playing big minutes, they're playing exhausting minutes too, because it's the, the, the few guys that got the shot opportunity to help them win, and then a little bit of winning out of gas, and I mean, he stunk in overtime, that's obvious, but... You know, we can nitpick on the negative. If that, yeah, that goes
0: that – I thought about the nitpicking on the negative, and I thought that really goes to what Steve Cleveland told us. The margin for error is so low. You know, Rudy Gobert needs to make a couple more of those free throws. I mean, at least be 50% of the line. And he wasn't. And the turnovers down the stretch and the backcourt violation. But the margin yeah, of error I, is just so slim. They just can't afford anything. I
1: don't want Royce O'Neal taking a big shot. Just, I just don't. Sorry, Royce. You know, I know you're a great guy, and we love everybody on the team, but I don't want him taking a big shot. And if I'm Denver, he's exactly where i to take a big shot. <laughs> Thank goodness yeah. Donovan didn't take that shot. Yeah, and I didn't understand guarding uh, Jamal Murray with Joe Ingles. It just didn't make much sense to me.
0: Yeah, they had Royce on him another time, and he spun Royce around. Actually, Royce was on him on that three-pointer right after the, the turnover. He spun him around, too. So the Jazz lose, and now they gotta find a way to beat Denver when the game hangs in the balance right at the end. Met three times the regular season, once in the playoffs, and these games have all looked a lot alike. Alright, tomorrow, two o'clock for game two, DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA.
1: For me, every game is the same. You know, it's gonna be every game, uh guy's gonna be physical with me. I think I lost this game. I should never have like 11 turnovers. It's 11 with possession. Imagine that. So I
0: think I lost this game. You know, I got to get way better than that for sure. Luka Doncic after the Clippers beat the Mavericks 118 to 110. And yes, he had 11 turnovers and yes, that is way too many. Doncic still did a lot of uh, spectacularly entertaining stuff and had a huge stat line. 42 points and 9 assists Uh, but also there was an ejection in that game that seemed to turn things pretty quickly Chris Stapps Porzingis kicked out he got technicals Uh, I thought the first one was super quick super soft and I didn't hear every word maybe but I thought that was really quick on that one the second one he should have dialed back the aggression he knew he was already carrying one but that changed the game he was gone and that was it
1: yeah I seem to recall a play in the NBA Finals once, where uh, Kevin McHale beheaded Kurt <laughs> Rambis, yeah, that's and a different era. PK, all he that. got was a personal foul. There was no technical. There was no ejection, and that's what you ejected Porzingis on. Dial back the aggression. That was aggression. What, what, were we playing patty cake here? Yep, that's what we're playing. It's pretty pathetic. That was a joke, man. If I'm Mark Cuban, I storm the court. Uh, I go berserk, man. They were just fortunate uh, that they wouldn't have home court anyway. Cuban but offered a no comment after the game. There would be, yeah. What was he going to say? That was going to lead to a fine. I mean, that the refs got uh, they got way too trigger happy on that. I mean, you're dealing with a Morris guy who was the Morris Twins. They're known as hotheads. They're going to incite guys. And uh, that's, I mean, the, the Morris guy hits to do that uh, to uh, Doncic basically after the play. And Porzingis comes in and sticks up for his guy against somebody who's going to try to get under your skin. They have a history of doing that. This is about their 40th team that these Morris guys have been with because <laughs> they burn out every place and so people get sick of them. And Porzingis gets thrown out on that? Oh, my gosh, that was a joke.
0: Raptors beat the Nets. Fred Van Vliet, 30 points. Celtics beat the Sixers. Jason Tatum, 32 points. Uh, Anything in either of those games catch your attention? Or, uh, hey, they're the two and three seeds. They did what they're supposed to do.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I would agree with the last part of that. Yeah.
0: Gordon Hayward uh, injured his right ankle, uh, leaving the arena on crutches afterwards. Expected to get an MRI, and I don't think they're going to need him in this series, but uh, they're going to need everybody for the Raptors. Second-round series, Raptors-Celtics. Looks like it out of setup. It's a very good series. You'd think you'd want all your guys for that. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. He's interesting. He took off a couple times today, It really fired me up. He's been hurt. Uh, Looked like the ankle has really
1: turned the corner. Uh, He's he's a dazzling playmaker with his feet, and that's the key to his game. So I I saw that, glimpses of that today. It was exciting.
0: Uh, Started off slow in seven-on-seven, but picked it up, had a nice day. Had a really nice day. John Gruden, impressed with Marcus Mariota there, talking up his backup quarterback.
1: I'm not so sure he's the backup quarterback.
0: Think he's going to be the guy?
1: Uh, well, when I say I'm not so sure, that would indicate that I'm not sure. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't label him the backup quarterback right now. I would label him in contention for the starter.
0: You think it's a fifty-fifty, or you think either guy's got a got an edge? Even if it's not a hundred-zero, it's not locked up.
1: I mean, they've only been in practice here for a little bit. I think that. My gut instinct tells me that he would like to have Mariota win the job. He's not just not going to hand it to him, though.
0: Baltimore Ravens expected to host former Cowboy star wide receiver Des Bryant for a workout. He's 31. He hasn't played the last couple of years. 2017 is his last game. But Lamar Jackson's interested in having him there. So maybe they'll add one more weapon and possibly bring the circus to town. I don't know. Two years out of the game, you think the guy will appreciate being back in the league, or does it take like two or three big games before you rev up? You rev up uh, the circus music again?
1: Oh yeah, if you become a star, then you bring the baggage along with you. I mean, you are who you are at this point.
0: Alex Smith. Says, in the football world, I'm a dinosaur, but I felt like a 16-year-old again. The nerves, feeling excitement, obviously anxiety, all that stuff, being alive, the range of emotions of going out there with your teammates, that's why you play. Back practicing with Washington again. A dinosaur.
1: What kind of dinosaur would he be? I don't know the difference between one dinosaur and the next, so I can't help you.
0: Chiefs announced they're going to have about sixteen thousand fans in the stands for their season opener against the Texans, September tenth at Arrowhead Stadium, a notorious stadium for visiting teams. You like the difference between famous and infamous, right? Infamous for the road team, but famous for the home team.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I told you what in June that I thought the NFL was going to try to get uh, ten to fifteen thousand fans in their games.
0: A lot of ticket revenue, that's a major revenue stream. They're real expensive, so any portion of that I think they can recapture, they're gonna they're gonna try to do that. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. We reached out to everybody. Bob Breda, who's uh, one of the senior associate athletic directors here, handles scheduling, and I think he talked to all 129 <laughs> other teams in the FBS and just said, hey, are you interested in doing this? That's Army's coach, Jeff Monken, right there on scheduling this fall. Army's an independent. BYU expected to face Army. West Point, September 19th, according to reports. Jay Drew, Deseret News, is reporting the Black Knights will make a return trip to Provo in the future as part of a uh, home-and-home series agreement. Uh, It makes sense, PK. I think the only question that we had is, would they actually do a home-and-home this year? How many games do they want to play? How many other games can they get? As independents and both sitting on about four games... Makes sense they would play each other.
1: Oh, yeah, and it makes sense that they would have a home-and-home, home too. All right, BYU's got a little bit of leverage here because you need me and I need you, so let's try to get something in return. And As it would be for our uh, Navy, it would be cool uh, for the players to be going back to the east of those academies, and I'm excited for it. Life's going on, and at least right now it looks like football's going on, which is what I think they should be doing. It comes to a point where you can't do it. I Don't even worry about that later. But right now, I think they should. It'll be
0: two games for BYU now with the uh, yep. with the academies in September because they've obviously got the Labor Day Night game with uh, with Navy.
1: That's awesome.
0: SEC announced their entire football schedule now. As soon as they did this, PK, didn't you think? Okay, this means you're going to play because you wouldn't do this and then cancel in a week. Because we've already seen other leagues do that, and it didn't go over well. So now the SEC couldn't possibly be doing that, right? And they're really going to play now. And as much as we don't want to pencil anything in as 100%, they couldn't
1: possibly be doing that, could they? If Something uh, leads to where they need to do that. That would be fine. Not fine, but fine in the context of plan, plan, plan for it, plan for it. And then if things change, to go ahead and and have to adjust. And I assume you're being a little sarcastic there, too. So with that in mind, season's going to be going on. It's funny. It's like uh, people in whatever political party you want, if your guy or lady loses, then a lot of yous, not all of yous, but a lot of yous then root against the country. Because politics is more important than the actual success of the country. And so you then want the other guy or lady to fail. Well, now I'm wondering, is the Big Ten and Pac-12, are they rooting for these other conferences to fail so they don't look wildly stupid?
0: I think they're rooting for them to stop before they fail. Now, once you get to it... uh, uh, Stop before you get to it... I guess you could say, yeah, you could still drop the I told you show, you know, and you were two or three weeks late or whatever it turns out to be. But I think that – I think everything gets ratcheted up if they're still playing football in, in mid-November.
1: And, okay, and then at that point, they're going to root for them to fail. They're going to actually root for – they're going to root for cases – to increase to make them stop if you don't it's like yeah when you when your kid's on a high school team yeah you're all for the team as long as your kid's starting your kid isn't starting you want the team to suck so your kid will get in there
0: Root for that third baseman to strike out because your kid plays third base
1: whatever sport it is you name it you can fill in the blank that's the reality of it that's what a parent does and that's what a parent wants first the best for his or her kid and so they want, the, at least they, they can win maybe, but they want the player ahead of their kid to suck. And if you don't think that...
0: You haven't oh, sat in the stands in a high school game. Who's being naive, Kay? Two godfather references.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, the SEC schedule. This is crazy for a league that at one point was only playing six league games in our lifetime and it still only played eight in a 14-team league. Now they got ten conference games. Alabama-Georgia... October 17th, Brian Denny Stadium. Georgia's first regular season game in Tuscaloosa since 2007. <laughs> That's incredible. You're in the same conference, and you're going to a stadium for the first time in 13 years? <laughs> All right, well, we'll look forward to that game. That'll be huge. Uh, Alabama LSU is set in November, mid-November in Baton Rouge, so... University of North Carolina is going to full-time remote learning after uh, announcing 177 students are in isolation. Another 349 are in quarantine because of the coronavirus. Uh, That has not impacted the athletic department yet. We'll see if it does. They're scheduled to play Syracuse on September 12th. But did you see the front page of the student paper there? I can't possibly quote the headline, but it was making the rounds on social media. Another, uh, Another change in the media, something that never would have happened when you were cranking out the student paper at Northern Arizona or Arizona State. I don't even know if you did the student paper at either school, but let's pretend you
1: did. Well, I did at Northern Arizona, but for ASU, I had switched to broadcasting.
0: More public backlash with the Big Ten and reports that – a couple people don't even, aren't even sure they took a vote. And it's funny because I was sitting there looking at the states and just going on that whole red state, blue state. Although in the case of the Big Ten, there's some states that are purple and swing back and forth depending on how you want to look at it. But I was wondering you know, what the vote was because it clearly wasn't unanimous. But uh, now you get people unsure if the school presidents actually voted.
1: Yeah, I saw that's, that. That's, that's, a, yeah, that's a bizarre deal.
0: You would think a decision as big as that that's uh, hundreds of millions of dollars across the, the Big Ten. Well, it's probably over a billion because they're talking about a billion-dollar line of credit for the Pac-12. And for starters, there's 14 Big Ten teams, and we all know that their TV package is worth way more. So I'm going to assume that this was more than a billion-dollar decision for them. You'd think there would have actually been, you know, a motion, a second, and a vote. A little Robert's Rules of Order there.
1: No, there's no politics involved. It's purely for the safety of the student-athletes.
0: DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The pitch to Tatis is swung on and
1: hit out to deep
0: right field. It is up! A grand slam for Fernando Tatis Jr. The Padres have made it a blowout. 14-3 in Arlington. 14-4 the final, although the Rangers upset because that was a 3-0 pitch. He shouldn't have been swinging. He had a take sign. Youthful enthusiasm, PK, just blew through that sign and crushed another home run. That's his first career grand slam.
1: Yeah, those are one of those unwritten rules there when you're winning by a block because you're winning by seven runs. And it was late in the game, all that stuff. So when Machado had to bear the brunt of it, they threw behind him. Uh, I guess they tried to hit him or maybe just threw behind him on the very next pitch. I think they changed pitchers. And the Padres manager didn't appreciate it himself and said that he was going to have to talk with the young man. But uh, he's he's tied with Trout for the league lead in home runs now. I think he got 10.
0: 11. That was his 11. Grand Slam gave him 11. He had 10 earlier in the game. So... The uh, Padres get the win there. The Dodgers, that was uh, that was a lot of home runs in that game. Dodgers playing long ball one after another. Uh, Kyle and Corey Seager, uh, both homer. And coreys that was just a majestic shot. They Holy. never
1: played against each other in 16 professional
0: seasons combined. Holy cow, that was a spectacular home run. Dodgers uh, win the game 11-9. to Oakland is beatable, and they're no longer 10 games over five hundred. They got beat. Diamondbacks got them 4-3. David Peralta walking it off in that one. Were you watching that one?
1: Uh, I watched it
0: till about 10 o'clock, and then I went to bed. Enough of that. West Coast games, right? All right, What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener. Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up this morning... Shane Young, NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes Sports at 8 o'clock. Ben Anderson, Utah Jazz writer, kslsports.com on the playoff series. At 9 o'clock, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.